This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of the Yard. And man, it is quite magnificent today. It is quite magnificent today. I, I, I say we have a little fun today. How about that? Let's have a little fun because here's the deal, okay? Because we're going to break down the series. We're going to break down the week. We're going to talk about the rankings. We're going to talk about the week to come. We're going to talk about SEC standings. What's at stake for Mississippi State? What your rooting interest this weekend may be? It's a power pack show. But I've got one question. And one question only for Ole Miss folks. Who is your mama's boyfriend now? Who's your mama's boyfriend now? We celebrated Mother's Day yesterday, and I'm so glad you guys get to see your daddy on Mother's Day. But who's your mama's boyfriend now? It's a reminder once again who runs the state, not just in baseball, but in everything. And as I tweeted yesterday, the Mississippi State baseball seniors joined the Mississippi State football seniors and the Mississippi State women's basketball seniors as Bulldogs who never lost at Ole Miss in their entire playing careers. That's a pretty cool thing. Nick Fitzgerald and his group never lost in Oxford. Jake Mangum and his group never lost in Oxford. Tierra McCow and her group never lost in Oxford. So again, Ole Miss folks, Who's your mama's boyfriend now? I think it's us. I think it's us. But I think our fine sponsors, Campus Bookmart, a Starkvilleian institution. Absolutely love Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. I had a chance to speak with my, you know, my good friend Carolyn Abadie over at Bookmart and Cafe this weekend. I always stop in there and see them when I'm when I'm downtown. I always stick my head in the door and say hello and. You know, may sign a book or two, and I'm always meeting people there, and uh, love going in there, and uh, kind of the companion store to Campus Bookmark. But I'll tell you, every time that I go in, everybody is happy to see me, and it's not just because I, you know, it's me. It's not because I've got long hair and tattoos. I can tell you, I get a lot more people that kind of, uh, you know, kind of turn their nose up at that more than anything else. But uh, but not there. You know, it's one of those things. People absolutely make you feel welcome there because you're family to them. So I encourage you when you're in town, go by and see Campus Bookmark. Go look at all the latest in maroon and white uh, fashion, novelty items, things for your home, your pet, your RV, whatever. Go by and check it out. If you can't make it to town, we encourage you to go to campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. And you know you're going to spend it anyway because any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. But I'll tell you what, man, what a weekend it was. And, uh, you know, State 
had the uh, the come from behind win Wednesday, and I mentioned on the show on Friday that I felt like in many ways that a win like that, you kind of fires you up. It kind of gives you that esprit de corps, if you know what I mean. It's really just one of those things you begin to kind of think, okay, maybe, just maybe, you know, that we might be a little bit of a team of destiny. Maybe there's a little something here kind of pushing us along here that we simply find a way to win. Because there are going to be some nights you got to win a ball game when you don't play well. And that was certainly the case on Wednesday. State comes back out, and, uh, you know, that was the big concern all week was the weather. And let me go ahead and, and just share this with you. Every and, and I'm sure there's already posts all over social media worrying about the weather this weekend. I, I, I don't know what the weather's going to be this weekend. I don't even look that far in advance. I don't worry about it. And I'll, I'll share this with you, and I mean this in the, in the most respectful way possible. That's an old guy move. You know, it's like we begin to think about the weather a week, two weeks ahead. Man, I tell you what, I hope we can play baseball. Every single weekend we have these concerns about the weather, and somehow, some way, they managed to get the games in. I was concerned, hey, you know what, we might play one Friday and two sevens on, on Sunday, and I didn't know if that helped us or hurt us. I thought maybe it might help us because we had better starting pitching than Ole Miss. But we get into that Friday game, and you knew it was going to be a tight one because it's just that's Friday night in the SEC. You knew that it was going to be a ball game that uh, you weren't going to be able to give outs away. You weren't going to be able to waste at bats. You were going to have to kind of work through this deal and uh, and make some big things happen for yourself. And State's the one that got the timely hit. It's as simple as that. Tanner Allen comes through, uh, drives in a couple runs from Mississippi State, and, man, what a week he's had. I ran the numbers earlier today. Tanner Allen, 11 for 17. 11 for 17. That is ridiculous. And it just seemed like a couple weeks ago, we're like, oh, man, this guy's really struggling. Maybe we should drop him in order. And he comes back and goes 11 for 17. I mentioned last week that I felt, you know, he was a, a real important part of the offensive system for State this weekend. It's because of the fact that uh, Ole Miss, you know, has has so many of those, uh, you know, pitchers that like to work inside. And, you know, he, he's just – he's the only true natural left-handed hitter we have. But – um Excited to see him uh, step up and perform, and I'll tell you, that was a big win for us. And what can you say about Ethan Small that hasn't already been said? Another double-digit strikeout game. And then here's the, here's the silver lining in that deal, because, you know, we had the fog delay, you know, which is kind of a rarity, and it's so crazy. And, and yes, I agree with everybody. If we had to hit in it, they should have had to hit in it, and uh, you don't do that in the middle inning. That's, that's tacky. And, uh, Yes, the umpires make the call, but a lot of times it's the game management people that are kind of tipping them off. And 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 just based on everything that we know about how they operate up there in Oxford, you you and I both know there was somebody somewhere that said, "Hey, man, we probably need to go ahead and shut this thing down." You know. So Ethan Small, the silver lining in the deal, he only goes five innings, only throws 82 pitches. And considering the fact that we're going to come back on short days rest this week because the series starts on Thursday, right? That's kind of the silver lining in that deal. Rather than him going 100-plus, he only goes 82. Five innings pitched, just three hits, one walk, ten strikeouts. One wild pitch. Two flyouts, one ground out. Because just about everybody that came to the plate was uh, striking out. So while it seemed uh, like a bad deal then, it's, uh, it's one of those things where we were able to overcome that and, yes, they were able to get him out of the game. They weren't able to get him out of the game because they were hitting baseball. And then Jared Lee Belt comes in, picks up save number five, goes four innings. 
Where would we be without Jared Lebo? We've talked about that before, but he is kind of an unsung hero on this team. I don't know that he gets enough respect. I know some people think that you know, that he has a career once he's done here, perhaps, as the Notre Dame Fighting Irish mascot. But, man, what a bulldog this kid has been. Four innings pitched, three hits, no runs, no walks, two Ks, six ground outs. When that sinker is working, it's, it's a lot like Peyton Plumlee. It's a lot like Peyton Plumlee in that respect. He goes out and throws fastballs, but he's got a good sinking action on that fastball. You're going to beat the ball on the ground. It's very rare to see Jared Lee Belt get elevated. Very, very rare. He does a great job of staying on top of the ball and really, really, really shoving that ball down in his own. Lee Belt goes four innings. I'm told he could have gone yesterday if we needed him. Could, he could have given us an inning or possibly two on Sunday. Thankful we didn't need him. But I'll tell you, what a heroic effort for him to come in under some very unusual circumstances. You know, with the way Ethan was dealing, I'm sure we were thinking, okay, Small will get us to the seventh, and then maybe we bring out White for the eighth and, and um, Cole Gordon for the ninth. But it didn't work out that way. And it's so crazy how things work because we get through that day. We get through game one. You win 2 nothing, You shut Ole Miss out for the first time this year. And you only use two pitchers. And then your starter is probably saved a little wear and tear heading into a short week. Uh, that is really, really cool. It's just funny. It's almost like a, it's a sign of good living. You know, it's just a sign of good living that good things happen uh, to good people, and we are certainly good people. So the state wins that ball game, the second to get 40 wins because somebody got to 40 earlier in the day. How about that? Jared Lee Belt, again, great, 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 great season for him. Really, really happy for that kid, too. If you've ever been around him, you'll know what I'm talking about. Great, great young man. Great family. Very, very, very grateful. Jared Lee Belt's part of the Mississippi State family. Uh, so we get into game two. You know, that, that was the one, you know, we had uh, a lot of concern about the rain. And, and then as the game went on, you know, there was a lot of talk about the radar. But the rain, you know, the heavier rains kind of stayed out of the area. And Ole Miss, I'm sure, was looking for that fog machine. You know, they, they get out to a 2 nothing lead on JT Ginn, and there is the uh, – you know, in the minds of some people, the controversial uh, interference call. Let, let me do my best to explain this as best I can. So so here's kind of how this deal works. And even some of our own people um, kind of jumped on board with this. But, uh, but it's the wrong line of thinking. The way this whole thing works with interference, whether it be as he catches the ball or as he goes to field the ball, any, anything when the defender is in a vulnerable position it is the responsibility of the runner to avoid contact 100 percent it is not that the the player has a right to the ball the defensive player has a right to fill the baseball you can't shield him you can't interfere with his ability uh, to fill the baseball and in the event there is a collision 99 times out of 100 they're going to call the runner out because of player safety it's one of the things in recent years they put these new rules in. Like you, you can't block second base. Like as a defender, you can't go in there and you can't block the base without the ball. That's a player safety issue. You know, for years and years and years, that's what's what we did. You know, you wouldn't block the base, and then you shielded off so that the throw was a little bit late. You had another second or two to slap attack on somebody. But they are going to err on the side of player safety. That was the correct call. That is the spirit of the rule. And it doesn't matter if it's Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Bug Tussle Tech, or whoever. 
in the event that that happens, any time that there is a collision, and I believe this is what the, the second time this has happened between uh, you know with Mississippi State and Justin Foskey here in the last couple of years, it's crazy. But the bottom line is, if a defensive player in an attempt to, to catch the baseball, to field the baseball, if there is a collision, the runner is going to be called out. It is absolutely as cut and dry as that. And there are a lot of people say, well, you know, it looked like the ball was going to get by him. And, and that, that may or may not be true. It looked like to me that it was going to be a, a tough ball to field. But the bottom line is, because there is contact, they're going to call that guy out just about every single time. Every so often, somebody will make the wrong call. It was the right call. It was not a break for Mississippi State. The umpires enforced the rules of the game. And I know some people there, and one of the things that irritates me to no end, and, and, if, I, and if I step on your toes here, I hope it hurts, there are some people that are so desperate to be liked by Ole Miss people that they, that they lose their minds. They don't use common sense. It's like, well, I don't want to be called a homer. I, I don't care. Let them call me a homer. I don't care what they think. It has no bearing on my life whatsoever. I don't need their approval. But there are other people, they want to be liked. They want to go out of their way and say, well, I thought it was a bad call. You know what? I don't think, I don't care what you think. Because the umpires enforced the rule. They thought it was interference because it was interference, and that's the, that's the way the, the rule's going to be called. But we want to get out here and apologize for our success. Is this somehow that we owe them an explanation? Is somehow that, you know, and there are some people that, that, I, that I care about. There are some people that, are, that I have a relationship with, and it irritates me to no end that they want, they want the acceptance of these old Miss folks and say, well, you know, well, he's a good guy. And meanwhile, they're, they're laughing behind your back. You know, you're, you're the butt of all their Mississippi State jokes, but whenever something like this happens, you want their approval. So you go and, you know, I thought, I thought Fosky should have been thrown out of the ball game. Well, you know, it's just so stupid. But the bottom line is the, the, the call was correct. Ole Miss gets up to nothing lead. State begins to chip away. And then you have that huge six-run seventh and really, really put the game away. And that's what great teams do. When you get somebody on the ropes, you put them away. Gunnar Halter had one of the biggest hits of his Mississippi State career. Absolutely torched that ball to center field. You know what? If it's not raining, it might even get out. Doubles, doubles to center, drives in Skelton to give State the lead. And the next thing you know, you know then, then, then all of a sudden the carousel gets going, right? Mangum singles. Drives in a run. Tanner Allen singles. Drives in a run. Ruddy Jordan singles. Drives in a run. You know, it's it's 8-4, and, uh, you know, they're able to get some run, get a run back in the seventh. But it just never really felt like once State took that lead that Ole Miss had a chance to climb back in it. Uh, great, great effort by the Mississippi State bullpen. JT again goes four and two-thirds of an inning. Probably could have gone a little bit longer. But, again, with short week, 86 pitches. He'll be good to go this week. And if we take, and, and JT's a guy that hadn't thrown a lot of deep in a lot of ball games. He hadn't had to. But you get him on out of there, and then Barlow comes in, gets you out of the deal with the strikeout. Let's go six pitches. Riley Self comes in, gets the win, goes in and in a third. And that's the thing. If we can get Riley Self going again, that's huge for Mississippi State. He has been a difference maker for that bullpen. And, uh, you know, he's rounding back into form. You know, earlier in the year, he really struggled with his velo because he was recovering from that shoulder surgery. He goes 41 pitches, one in the third innings, does give up a couple runs. Uh, but, you know, he, he he's a guy, if we can kind of get things going with him, that's big. 
Jack Egan comes in, gives you a third of an inning. You, you mix and match. Brennan Smith gets you a third. Colby White pitches the eighth. Cole Gordon pitches the ninth. It just never – when Colby White was in there, it just did not seem that Ole Miss had a chance. Three strikeouts on just 14 pitches. And uh, that's the thing, I think, with Colby is you just give him the, ba- the football and say I – mean, pardon me, the baseball and say, listen, go get us three outs. And the way that that guy is throwing the baseball, it's uh, it's really, really difficult. Cole Gordon gets his ninth save. And, uh, you, know, the, you know, the big hits, again, it was a team effort, you know, for sure. But then, you know, there's there's Jake Mangum again with a pair of hits. Justin Fosky with a pair of hits. Gunnar Halter with two hits. Team effort. And and that seems to be the case. Every every so often, some there'll be one guy that gets the big knock. But in games like this, it always seems, it always seems like there's somebody, you know, that gets the big base hit, but either there is a collective effort. There's Marshall Gilbert getting on base four times, going 0 for 0 with two walks, two hit by pitches. You know what I mean? There's the little things that matter. Then in yesterday's game, of course, Mississippi State wins 11-5, to pound out 17 hits, and really really gave Peyton Plumley a lot more work than he probably should have had. Peyton Plumley uh, goes a uh, season best, I guess, seven and two-thirds inning, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right, seven and two-thirds of an inning. And uh, we made made some errors, extended some innings for him, and there were a couple times, even with JT again, we had some wild pitches on some strikeouts. And um, But the bottom line is, uh, we extended some innings. We we struggled at times uh, on the left side, and that and that's that hasn't been the case the last month. We've actually played really good def- defense on the infield the last month. So yesterday was kind of an aberration. But the, the bottom line is we we didn't play exceptionally well. Our base running, I thought yesterday, we ran ourselves out of uh, some situations early in the ball game that allowed Ole Miss to hang around. And I, as I mentioned on the show Friday. I really felt like they had a great chance to win that Sunday game because Ole Miss was going to run out of pitching, and that's going to be their undoing. They're, number one, they're not a great offensive team. That that that's kind of a uh, you know a talking point out there that isn't accurate. They're they're a good offensive team. They are not a great offensive team. Uh, they are a free swinging team that swings at a lot of bad pitches and gets themselves out. They are not a very disciplined hitting team. I think Graham Kessinger is an outstanding player. And he is really the only guy in that lineup that I think that could consistently get hits against Mississippi State, and that's really kind of how it was for the weekend. You know, he, he was their most consistent hitter. Uh, and Thomas Dillard had um, had the triple yesterday. You know, if Elijah Magnamy is healthy, that's probably a can of corn right field. I mean, I'm not going to you know, slight the guy on the hit. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is State did a great job kind of uh, keeping Dillard at bay uh, really all season. It just hasn't been the year many people were expecting. Some people thought he would, uh, you know, win the Ferris Trophy this year. I don't think there's any chance of that happening. I know the nominees were announced earlier, and Ethan Small and Jake Mangum were, were the uh, two for Mississippi State. I don't know who it is for Ole Miss. Probably Graham Kessinger, I would imagine. But he's the only guy in that lineup that you really look at and say, okay, really got to be careful with him. The Keenan guy's got some pop. Got a big arm at third, too. Very, very good player. And, and people always talk about, well, I don't know who on their team would start for us. Well, uh, Tyler Keenan would start for us. I don't think there's any question. Have have that, that big guy in the middle of your order hitting double-digit home runs. Uh, that would only make Mississippi State that much better. But the bottom line is State finds a way to win this deal and really won it in emphatic fashion. State goes to 42-10. and 10. State now, if my math is correct, State the only team in the country that could end the regular season with 46 wins. State with 42 wins right now, and if you look at the D1 baseball rankings, and, and let, let's do that shortly, but first let's just thank our friends at, at Bulldog Burger Company. Bulldog Burger Company 
a uh, great place. Matter of fact, I'm going to go tonight. We're going to go tonight, and we're going to enjoy that. My wife worked last night, so we weren't able to celebrate the Mother's Day dinner thing yesterday. She worked Saturday night and Sunday night, so we're going to go out tonight. We're going to build a burger company because that's what we want to do, because that's where the cool kids go to break bread. We encourage you, because you are one of the cool kids. If not, you wouldn't be listening to the show. Make Bulldog Burger Company your first stop when you come to Mississippi State. When you come to town for a game, go by and uh, enjoy a great quality meal at Bulldog Burger Company. Sometimes in life you have to treat yourself, and there's not much better than that great restaurant-quality hamburger, and that's exactly what you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company, a great restaurant-quality hamburger, but there's so much more. You can get the Sweet Heat Chicken Sandwich. You get the Angry Bird Salad. The Chicken Wings, kind of an underrated appetizer. You know my feelings about the spring rolls. Go in there, get the spring rolls. No matter what you're going to have for your entree, enjoy those spring rolls. The Lauren is a new burger on the menu. They're going to have these specials. And if you want to keep up with that, go follow Bulldog Burger Company on Instagram, and uh, they'll kind of keep you abreast of what the latest information is uh, on their menu. Summer's here, so uh, you shouldn't have to wait for a table. It's a popular place, absolutely a popular place. So again, Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So uh, so let's look here at the uh, the D1 rankings. Uh, UCLA maintains the number one spot with a 41-8 and eight record. Vandy in at number two, 41-10. Uh, Stanford, three, 37-9. and nine. I'll take that right now. I, I, and I think we'll, we'll pack up and go to Palo Alto right now and take two out of three from them right now. Stanford has not impressed me. They, they are probably the most overrated team in the country. They kind of benefited from getting ranked high. They just hadn't played anybody. Their strength of schedule is abysmal. Arkansas, number four, 39 and 13. Mississippi State, number five at 42 and 10. Looking through this thing, and we'll run out the SEC schools. Georgia's in at seven. Uh, let's see here. Ole Miss down to 15. Ole Miss, 32 and 20. 12 games over 500, 32 and 20. A&M in at 16. LSU number 19, most losses in the D1 baseball poll, 31 and 21. 31 and 21. And it's almost like people continue to rate LSU high because they feel like at some point they'll get it together. My hope is that LSU drops out of the top 25. I'm absolutely tired of hearing about this is not a good baseball team. And the fact that we lost to them in Starville continues to be a burr in the saddle. We talk about the sweep at Arkansas, and that, that was a defining moment in our season, will likely cost us a share of the SEC championship. But losing, and yes, Cole Henry pitched against us, and he was outstanding. But State losing that series to LSU, that is something we're going to look back and say, you know what, even, even no matter how great the season goes, there was no reason for us to lose that, none whatsoever. Missouri hangs in there at number 24. Uh, so not as many SEC teams, I guess, as we've had uh, most of the season. But your, your Bulldogs right there at number five, again, 42-10. and 10. Nobody else in the top 25 has more than 41 wins. We're going to play four games this week, which which means Mississippi State could end the regular season at 46 and 10. 46 wins. Let that sink in for a second. We could lead the nation in the regular season and wins. The most quadrant one wins in the country, and that's against teams with the top 50 RPI. Got a really good chance right now. You begin to kind of look at this thing here from the SEC baseball. Uh, Standings, you know, state eighteen and nine. We could go twenty-one and nine in the league and not win the league. I mean, think about it, that's unheard of. Last year, Florida goes twenty and ten, wins the league. We've got a chance to be a game better than Florida was last year and then not win the league. I've teased it all year long. Vanderbilt has the easier path. 
they're 20 and 7, two games ahead of State with three games to play. So it's going to be unlikely that State catches them. We're a game behind Arkansas. Arkansas holds a tiebreaker, and you know we could win a share of the SEC West for whatever that's worth. But we've got bigger we've got bigger fish to fry here, okay? Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to be a top eight national seed. And now, now that we feel confident that's going to happen, we're being greedy, okay? We really want to finish in the top four. We really want to have an opportunity to have the easiest path once we get to Omaha. Because we're trying to win a national championship. It's not about hanging SEC co-West champion banners. We're not cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs like some other programs that, you know, they're so uh, banner-starved and, and title-challenged, they have to kind of pull those things out. Not that we wouldn't be happy to, to, uh, to tie Arkansas, but Arkansas beat us head-to-head. And I think we all know that. I think we're enough, we're savvy enough as baseball fans to appreciate the fact that, you know what, they got the better of us. But we're not just playing for SEC hardware. We're playing for a national championship. And as it stands right now, State would be the number three seed in the SEC tournament. So what State needs to do now, and we talked about how important it was to finish in the top four in the SEC regular season, because that gives you a bye on uh, on Tuesday. So we, we would not play on Tuesday. So what we need to do this weekend is we need to either win one game. I expect us to win all three. But we need to win at least one game, or LSU needs to lose, needs to lose a game. Because right now, like LSU is the only team that could catch us. Ole Miss, three games behind Mississippi State, but State holds a tiebreaker. LSU, three games behind Mississippi State, but LSU holds a tiebreaker. So we need either a Mississippi State win or an LSU conference loss. And that means Mississippi State could do no worse than fourth in the SEC regular season standings, which means we'd finish in the top four in the league. If we finish tied with Georgia, because we're currently both 18-9, and we hold a tiebreaker over Georgia, so we would be the three seed in Hoover. And so the way that it currently is projected is that Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Georgia, those are your four SEC top eight national seeds. And so what we need to do is to take care of business this week and make what happens in Hoover essentially irrelevant. We're not going into Hoover needing to win a game or two to pad the resume. We just simply need to win the four games we have this week and then go into uh, to Wednesday and Thursday next week and uh, throw Eric Sarantola or, you know, and um, Kale Bro or whoever, throw some guys that need some work. And then if we happen to win those games, then all of a sudden you're right back into your weekend rotation. And then maybe you make a run at that. But, you know, I would be perfectly okay going over there, playing a couple ball games and coming home and resting up for the regional. I, I would be. I am not, not don't need to go win the tournament because, again, we have bigger fish to fry. We're trying to go win our first program national championship. And so – I don't know that we do can do anything in Hoover to improve our standing if we take advantage of things this weekend. And we could certainly drop back. But if we win these four games, and yes, let's say even you go 3-1 this week, I think you're going to probably finish somewhere around fourth in the, uh, the, the, the projections. <clears throat> I think that's what happens. I think because of the fact that State's going to have the most, right now, State has the most, you know, quad one wins. And so, leading the nation in that respect. So if we stay right there, if we just kind of maintain, I think we're going to be the number four national seed. There is some discussion. I saw Kendall Rogers' article that said State's right there in the mix uh, for a potential overall number one seed. I think in order for that to happen, you know, maybe you probably got to go win the SEC tournament. But, again, if UCLA doesn't lose or drop a game, I don't know if that's possible. But I know that Mississippi State is on fire right now, absolutely on fire. So let's look at these SEC standings again. 
Vanderbilt at 20 and 7 leads, and then there's Arkansas at 19 and 8. So that you know they're they're a game out of first, and then there's Georgia and Mississippi State tied at 18 and 9. 18 and 9 there. Then Ole Miss, LSU tied at 15 and 12. Texas A&M right there, 14, 12 and 1, and then Missouri 13, 13 and 1. And then when you get on beyond that, you know you're kind of getting into some teams that are really struggling. You know, Tennessee 12 and 15, but they won a big series over the weekend. They'll host Ole Miss this weekend. Huge series for them. Auburn 13 and 14. You got to feel pretty good about the SEC being well represented in the NCAA tournament field. But I'll tell you, head into this weekend, you know, probably the most intense battle is not at the top. It's at the bottom. South Carolina, Kentucky, and Alabama, all 7-20 and 20 in the league. Well, only one of those teams is going to advance to Hoover. And South Carolina took two or three from Kentucky over the weekend, so they hold a tiebreaker over Kentucky. Alabama had an opportunity to come back late against A&M yesterday and uh, couldn't close the deal. So this final weekend, and uh, you know, South Carolina's coming to Starkville with something to prove because they still have something to play for. And I think everybody understands at 26 and 25, the chances of them making – the NCAA tournament field are not very good. South Carolina also leads the SEC in home runs. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. As bad as they have been this year, and a lot of that's got to do with pitching, uh, they can run into one and, and hit the baseball out of the ballpark. And so uh, that's kind of where things stand right now. But let, let's kind of recap where we were last weekend, kind of who did what, and then we'll look ahead to, to who's playing who this weekend. Uh, of course, you're where Mississippi State sweeps Ole Miss three games to none. Vandy takes two of three from Missouri. Really needed Missouri to win that that game three to kind of give State a chance there because uh, we don't have a head-to-head meeting with Vanderbilt. A&M takes two or three uh, from Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Arkansas, of course, takes two or three from LSU and Fayetteville. Tennessee takes two or three for Florida. And, you know, I don't know if you're – you know, some people kind of build Florida as a potential national championship contending team this year. Uh, with one week left in a regular season, they are 10-17 and 17 in the league, 26-25 and 25 overall. And really, really, uh, pardon me, 30 and 23 overall. 30 and 23, excuse me. Uh, but they they are in danger of not making the field. And so this weekend is absolutely huge for them. Uh, again, looking back at last weekend, uh, Georgia takes two or three from Auburn. I think Auburn is a solid tournament team. They've got good pitching. they got Turner, Tanner Burns back. They'll be a solid number two somewhere. And uh, I would not be surprised to see them kind of pick some things up. they got some talent on that team. South Carolina, of course, takes two out of three from Kentucky. Now, looking ahead of this weekend, it's a big weekend, obviously, and everybody's going to start on Thursday. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday deal, so everybody kind of get you know rested up and their pitchers ready to go for uh, for Hoover. Vanderbilt will travel to Kentucky, and so I, let's let's be honest. The only way State is going to be able to win the SEC is if Kentucky sweeps Vanderbilt and Mississippi State sweeps South Carolina, and then Arkansas. Uh, loses two out of three to A&M. That's the only way State's going to get it. So let's just go ahead and table it. Barring something totally unforeseen or barring an incredible weekend, State's not going to win the regular season SEC championship. And a lot of that's going to go back to the fact we let some games get away from us and that Arkansas weekend kind of looms large. But would you also go back and look at the fact that I can think of three games right now in addition to that that we gave away, that, that second game in the doubleheader against Florida – we didn't go out there, and we had the opportunity to put the game away. We didn't do it. Uh, and the, the Peyton Plumlee throwing the ball in the dugout, I, I still think that was, a, while it was the, the right call, I, I don't think that it was within the spirit of the rule, but that cost us that game. And then you have the situation 
uh, here just a couple of weeks ago, you know, with the LSU. I mean, it's just as simple as that. You know, we've had opportunities uh, to put some teams away and haven't haven't been able to do it. And so those are three games that loom large to me in addition to that. So we're not going to win the SEC regular season championship. But, again, we're going to look at taking care of business so we can put ourselves in the best position to go win a national championship. Uh, Arkansas will be on the road to Texas A&M. And I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, A&M is going to be without the services of Saturday pitcher uh, Asa Lacey, and he is the pitcher that beat us. He got into an altercation with the home plate umpire uh, over the weekend in Tuscaloosa, and uh, from what I understand from kind of reading some reports about this, that there was, it went on and on and on and on and on. It was addressed by the home plate official, and eventually he didn't get a call and said, hey, you're a joke, or you got to be kidding me, and he got – so he's done. So he will not pitch this weekend. That obviously is huge for Arkansas. Uh, Asa Lacey, a uh, future first-round draft pick. That, that kid is going to make a lot of money at professional baseball someday, and we know from, from facing him. That kid's a real deal. And so for A&M to be short a weekend arm heading into that series, as tough as it is to win at A&M, and we know from experience it is difficult difficult to go down there and win. Their crowd really gets into it. Arkansas, a huge advantage not having to face Lacey. Alabama will be on the road to Georgia. We really don't need anything to happen with Georgia. We just we control our own destiny when it comes to them. But if we can get Alabama to take one, and it's kind of helpful that Alabama is still playing for something. I just don't know if they've got enough bats to really compete against Georgia. Georgia's kind of offensively challenged. I don't know if they can knock off Emerson at Thursday game, but if they can just find a way to get one, that gives State a little breathing room to ensure that we're, we're the three, the number three finisher in the SEC. And also, too, kind of put you ahead of Georgia in that uh, race for a national seed. You know, Georgia, I think, is projected as the seven or eight seed. Uh, but, yeah, it'd be nice to have that one game of separation there, even though State holds a tiebreaker. Ole Miss got to go to Tennessee. Tennessee has great front-line pitching. They do. And, again, Ole Miss is a good offense, not a great offense. Uh, and so we know from experience watching Crochet and watching Garrett Stallings pitch, Tennessee has the pitching to hold Ole Miss down. But in recent weeks, the Tennessee starting pitching has not been what it had been earlier in the year. They're beginning to kind of get into some ballgames. And offensively, they're a little bit better, Tennessee. But they're also giving up some runs that they weren't earlier in the year. So that series is huge. Tennessee – with a kind of a loud series win over the weekend over Florida, they still probably need a series win against Ole Miss to feel comfortable about making the NCAA tournament field. Probably need one more series win to say, you know what, we know we're in. If Ole Miss goes up there and, and wins the series, and, and they're certainly capable of doing that, uh, then I think Ole Miss is playing their way back into a hosting opportunity. Right now, I don't think they're in. I don't think Ole Miss – I think right now Ole Miss is on the road – but let's say they go up there and sweep Tennessee and get some help elsewhere, they could play their way right back into that. They're going to go into the SEC tournament with something to prove, whereas State could go ahead and pretty much finalize their postseason resume this weekend. You know, Ole Miss still has uh, some games to play, and the tournament is important to them. Last year, Ole Miss used the NCAA tournament, the SEC tournament to, uh, to play their way into a top-eight national seed. They didn't take advantage of it by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but – Mike Bianco managed that thing pretty well. They had some help along the way due to some upsets, but the bottom line is they won the deal and uh, get the top eight national seed. I don't think that's in the cards at all this year. I just don't think Ole Miss has the pitching. As we saw, uh, Nukesi is great. Etheridge is really good. But outside of that, there's really not a lot. 
You got a couple of guys out of the bullpen. Miller is a kid that uh, that's got a great big bending curveball. Uh, that they, they have some some young guys that I think they're going to be excited about, but they just do not do not have premier arms right now. And so I don't think they're poised to make a run because I think they're they are somewhat limited offensively, especially in the big ballpark at Hoover. It's going to be very very difficult uh, to hit balls out of that yard. It always is. Auburn will be on the road at LSU. You know, we mentioned we need, you know, the magic number for state is one. You know, I think Auburn is in a good position now. LSU will be desperate this weekend. LSU, again, is their whole pitching staff has been an absolute mess, but they found a way to piece it together to win that game three against Arkansas. This will be an interesting series. If you're a fan of college baseball, because hopefully, hopefully there is nothing eventful at Mississippi State. Hopefully we just take care of business. But this is one to kind of watch. I think this Auburn-LSU series will be a really good one. Florida is at Missouri. Florida playing for their NCAA tournament lives against a resurgent Missouri team that has really kind of found a sense of themselves. This Missouri team, we kind of left them dead and buried earlier in the year. They found a way to piece it together. And I think it's pretty safe to say they're going to be in. They'll find a way to get in. And then, of course, South Carolina's here uh, to play at Mississippi State. So a lot of things to kind of keep up with. That's kind of to kind of set the narrative for you this week. Now, Mississippi State, of course, We'll have four home games this week. It's a busy, it's a busy conference slate. It's one of those things like, uh, you know, Mississippi State did not originally have a non-conference game scheduled for this week, and we had Louisiana Tech, uh, you know, for tomorrow night, and kind of looking at, at ahead for tomorrow night. Tennessee Tech will be at Tennessee. Samford will be at Alabama. South Carolina Upstate will be at South Carolina. Michigan will be at Kentucky. That's interesting. North Alabama will be at Auburn. Ole Miss could probably send a warning there to the Tigers. UNO will be at LSU, Middle Tennessee at Vanderbilt, Louisiana Tech at Mississippi State, Ole Miss on the road to fight uh, Arkansas State and Tommy Raffo. And uh, Raffo has gotten the better of them more than once. And so busy night on Tuesday. Obviously nobody plays Wednesday, and then we'll get into the conference slate on Thursday. Now I want to remind you, too, for this Tuesday Mississippi State match against Louisiana Tech, it is general admission free. Which means that it's a it's kind of a first some first come first serve deal. So if you want your regular seats, you need to go ahead and get here early. Okay, so it's free admission, kind of a free for all. Okay, you can't that doesn't mean you can go in the luxury boxes. You know that's not what I'm saying. You know the grandstand, everything else is 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 first come first serve. But we're gonna take up donations, and uh, for tornado relief for those folks in Ruston, Louisiana. I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, Louisiana Tech is playing there home games now at Ruston High School. That's uh, that's where that's taking place. And so they've got a lot in front of them. It'll all work out, but uh, this is a chance for Mississippi State folks to uh, to be very, very supportive of uh, the, those visitors. And Lane Burroughs, former Mississippi State hitting coach, the head coach now there at Louisiana Tech, they'll come in uh, and be ready to go. Uh, so, again, some people were thinking yesterday, hey, do we really need to play this game? Yeah, we do. And uh, not just because of the fact we would like to get another win, and complete the, the 56-game schedule. But Mississippi State is doing something great for the people of Ruston, Louisiana. Just encourage you to come out. If you are someone that has been somewhat financially challenged, it's difficult to get out and come to a ball game, this is your chance to come for free. Just come on in, be a part of things. you got to get the security and all that kind of stuff. But you come on in, be a part of this, and uh, bring the kids. I know for many of you this is the last week of school, or we're getting close to that. Come on out to the ballpark. Bring the kids. Have a good time. It's important. It's important for everybody. 
Louisiana Tech winners of two of three over the weekend. They uh, they had a little bit of a dust up on uh, Friday night. They had a um, kid from Tech on a backswing hit the catcher. There was an elevated fastball, and uh, they they throw it by the guy, and it was a little bit of a long swing, and he gets the catcher on the backswing, and the bench is cleared, and it got ugly. They called it a brawl. There wasn't a brawl. It's just a lot of yelling and and cursing and pointing fingers and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, Tech bounces back and wins two sevens on Sunday. So they will enter tomorrow's game looking to get into the tournament. Okay, there are a lot of people that have them as an at-large. They're 32 and 20 overall and 15 and 12 in their league. Uh, but they're a team again that's dangerous. They absolutely destroyed LSU 12 to one last week. So any Mississippi State folks that were thinking, okay. This will be cute. No, Tech is not going to come in here uh, expecting to lose a ball game. They're going to come in here looking to win a ball game and pad their postseason resume. Nothing would mean more to them than to beat the number three RPI team, Mississippi State. They're going to come in ready to go. Now, they're going to be on the road at, at uh, Florida International this weekend. And so as a result, uh, they'll, they'll finalize their season and they should have the chance to go win that series. But uh, this will not be – just a typical Louisiana directional school thing coming in here and, uh, you know, State being able to, to just kind of show up and win the ball game. Going to be a big, 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 big festive night. So we need to need, need a huge crowd. I know there's not a lot of students in town. Guys, come on out, be part of this. Bring a few dollars, put it in the uh, the bucket when they get ready to collect. And, uh, you know, listen, Mississippi, Mississippi folks, there's a quiet dignity about folks from Mississippi. You know, when bad things happen and when these catastrophes happen, we just kind of get up and dust ourselves off. And, and we're very charitable when it comes to our neighbors. And so this is a chance for Mississippi State to do something really special uh, for the folks of Louisiana Tech. And not not so much so we can beat our own chest, but it's because of the fact it's the right thing to do. It's as simple as that. It is the right thing to do uh, to help our neighbors because we have been in similar situations lately. You know, our good friends in Hamilton, Mississippi, uh, you know, there was some fatalities there. We had a storm, you know, I think three Thursdays in a row. We had Mississippi State folks and people in the Golden Triangle in closets, you know, praying. And so we've been there. And um, the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of us made it out of that thing unscathed. And so let's not, uh, you know, take that for granted. Let's do what we can to help some others. I would be remiss if I got out of here without mentioning the fact that we had Tommy Stevens, the Penn State graduate transfer quarterback on campus, this weekend for his official visit, and so uh, so I did some um, did some checking yesterday, in between uh, sending out a few uh, colorful tweets about the uh, college baseball weekend. I did do some checking. Uh, Tommy Stevens did not commit. He has been extended an offer from Mississippi State. We are expecting a decision to come this week. Not exactly sure when it is. He hadn't given a deadline to anybody, but uh, I was told that he had made a commitment to not making a commitment on campus anywhere. He was going to take his visits, get home, sit down with his dad, who was a football coach, kind of work through some things, go over the pros and cons, and just kind of figure this whole thing out. And so we expect to have some news this week. I don't know that's going to be good news or not, but as I mentioned on last week's show, Tommy Stevens makes the Mississippi State quarterback room better. It's that simple. He makes the room better. Competition makes the room better. So if he comes in and helps and pushes Keaton Thompson to be better, that's a win for Mississippi State. If he comes in and wins the job, that's a win for Mississippi State. If he comes in and he doesn't win the job, but he makes Garrett Schrader better, 
that's a win for Mississippi State. So there's really no downside in this thing unless you kind of lose some team chemistry. And from what I know about Joe Moorhead and the way he manages people, I'm sure he's got that already handled ahead of time. Not to mention, if things go absolutely bonkers, Keaton Thompson still has the red shirt year available to him. Okay? But uh, the bottom line is, I still expect Keaton Thompson to be your quarterback when we begin the season. That's what I expect. I don't know that Tommy Stevens can come in and win the job in fall camp. Now, he might be able to. And if he does, that is a win for Mississippi State. We want the best players available. This isn't the Boy Scouts, okay? This isn't Church League softball. This is the SEC. And so sometimes some difficult decisions have to be made. But we want to have the best available players to help us win football games in Mississippi State. Tommy Stevens is a guy that has struggled with injuries most of his career. He is completely healthy now and ready to go. And uh, kind of bided his time behind Trace McSorley. Expected to uh, to be the starter this year. It does not appear that it's worked out. From what I understand from talking to some people on that side of the fence, James Franklin really wanted a guy that was going to be a multi-year starter. He didn't want to have to go through this deal next year. He was hoping to have a guy that would be, you know what, that could be his guy this year or next year. And so Tommy Stevens, in many respects, kind of the odd man out there. I know that there's not any hard feelings on the Penn State side of things from what I'm told that they uh, – you know, they want him to find a, a good opportunity and be successful. And the folks that I spoke to couldn't say enough, enough nice things about Tommy. It's just one of those things where he got behind the guy that was kind of a, a program icon and Trace McSorley and, um, you know, and just got behind the curve and had some injuries and just never really could get caught up. It's an unfortunate situation, so it makes sense that he would look for perhaps some greener pastures. And so that could be Mississippi State. He did take official visits to Illinois, Miami, Ohio, and Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, of course, has a quarterback coming back. You know, so we'll see. But uh, the, one of the things that, I have, that, I, that I'm expecting, if Tommy Stevens picks Mississippi State, there will be some people immediately say, well, this is bad for Keaton. And I don't know that that's the case. I don't think Keaton's ever wanted anything given to him. Keaton Thompson's not scared to go compete. And he and was the thing, too, is everybody said, well, I think Garrett Schrader will be the guy after the spring, and he's not. And that's not a slight of Garrett Schrader. It's just that he's not quite ready yet. He's still learning. He's still developing. He's going to be our starter and going to do a great job at Mississippi State. But Keaton held off Jalen Maiden. Keaton held off Garrett Schrader. And if Keaton's the guy, he'll hold off Tommy Stevens, too. I want to remind you guys, too, if you hadn't done so, and I so appreciate the post on social media, go buy your Stark Villains gear. I'll be uh, pretty much wrapping up the book this week. There'll be some edits and rewrites and kind of stuff that'll take place over the course of the next couple of weeks, and pretty soon we'll have a release date for you. Uh, really excited about this, and uh, really just down to the last couple of things. Got one more chapter to write, and then the acknowledgments and the epilogue, and, uh, and then we'll be good to go. And, uh, and it's a busy week in baseball, but the good thing is no travel this week, so I'll be able to get all that stuff finished. And uh, encourage you to rep the brand, StarkVillains.com. You can go in and order your shirts and um, several colors to choose from, several styles to choose from. Uh, nothing would make me happier than to see an army of Stark Villains out there. And so trust me, when you read this book, you're going to want to identify as a Stark Villain. Uh, these uh, folks have been so kind to share their stories with me, and, and they're not – it's my book, but this is our story, and I'm very, very proud of the effort, and I can't wait for you guys to read it, and everywhere I go, every time I go somewhere, people are like, man, we can't wait for that book, and let me share with you, as excited as you guys are to read it, I'm, I'm that much more excited to finish it, not because I don't enjoy the process, but because some of these stories are so incredible, 
that I can't wait for a new generation of Mississippi State fans to have access to this information and um, and kind of see the university and see the, the history of Mississippi State Athletics in, in, in a, a little bit of a different light. I'm so unbelievably appreciative of all the people that have shared their stories with me, which have enabled me to share them with you. And uh, I think this is something that's going to kind of bring us all closer. I really do. I think when you read this book, you're going to have an even, even deeper appreciation for Mississippi State and the path on which we have trod. When you begin to think about where we have come, and I think some of our, our especially our younger generation Bulldogs, you don't, we, we hadn't always had it this good. You know, it's as simple as that. You know, a NCAA softball uh, tournament is going to get underway, and your Bulldogs are going to be involved in that again. And so uh, Mississippi State men's golf, they're in the NCAA tournament. And so it's like we are competitive in pretty much all fields of play, and we expect to go to the postseason. But it's nice to look back and see where we've come from. And I think it gives us a greater appreciation of where we are today. And so look forward to you guys having that. Well, folks, I'll be back with you on Wednesday. We'll recap what happened with Louisiana Tech, and we'll look forward to this baseball series against South Carolina. We'll preview the Gamecocks, get ready to go, and then, of course, we'll be back on Friday and kind of give you an update on where things are and, and where things are in the SEC race and what state can look for in the national baseball landscape. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.